Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Michael P. Hamans. I'm here to talk to you all about Law and Society, Lots of Society. We're here at WCCF News Radio 1580 on your AM dial. You know that if you've tuned in on the radio. We're also streaming out there across the World Wide Web on iHeart and at WCCFAM.com. However you got here, thanks for being here. If you've got friends that like to listen to the show and don't always remember, stop moment and give them a call tell them hey it's on because today's going to be a really good show to help us understand a little bit about the history of the conflict uh, between China and Taiwan I have Jeffrey McElroy here with me he's been studying he's lived in Taiwan he's lived in mainland China uh, he speaks the language and he uh, pays attention to uh, to the happenings and so he'll help us put it in perspective good morning Jeffrey Ni hao. Ni hao. Uh, so, if you're listening out there across the World Wide Web, you might be in Alaska, like my brother Branch and his family. You might be in Hawaii, like Dylan and Jody and... Hey, Birdie, it's Pappy. I love you. And I love that brother of yours, Hanker. He's a bazooka, that boy. You could be on the west coast of these United States with some of the other listeners across time. You could be in Montana. You might be in Montana with Parks Reese and his cast of characters there. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Robin Hogan, Scott McMillian, anybody else that's out there listening, Robin Ogata maybe. Uh, you can always listen. If, if it's too early for you at this time of day, way out there in the West Coast and in Hawaii and Alaska, uh, or if you're just at work uh, and you don't have time in the middle of the day to listen to a radio show, we do have archives now that are available, wccfam.com. You go there, and up at the top right hand, you'll see three bars that are horizontal. Click on that, and then there'll be a drop-down, and you go to Shows, and click on Shows, and then go to the bottom of uh, that list, that drop-down, and hit Building a Zoo, and then drop down to the icon, which is a... Uh, which is a logo uh, that was created by Parks Reese and Robin uh, Hogan. My wife Dawn was a photographer in it. And, uh, and so you go to that and look at the date that you're looking for. We're running about a week behind on them, but you can get to the archives of the shows. And it, the, it's set up so that you can listen, you can see where it's coming in. Some of the shows start off it's in the news and some of that. And just hit down there on that bar at the bottom, and you can move it across and find places where you can pick up in the show and, and find areas of interest in the show. So have fun doing that. But for right now, thanks for being here. Uh, 
Parks, as I told you, is uh, there in Livingston, Montana. He's a sponsor of this show, P-A-R-K-S-R-E-E-C-E. Go to his website, and you can find, uh, uh, and to his uh, Facebook page, you can find his images, uh, the artwork that he creates. Uh, He does a fabulous job. He's well uh, recognized and renowned, really, uh, and for good reason. It's uh, he he uh, he is the Gary Larson of fine art, and so his his work has political, social, spiritual commentary, uh, and he uses humor, and he'll make you think. He'll make you laugh out loud. Go take a look at his stuff and buy some of it. Uh, he'd be appreciative. And uh, and then you'll have a, a a piece of Parks Reese's artwork, and you'll love it forever. Uh, coming on this way uh, in Texas, we're listening to the Mazingo Clan. The uh, in Colorado, Wayne Saladay and his wife uh, tune in for us every now and then. Uh, folks uh, in North Carolina, we have a good listening audience from uh, Raleigh to Highlands, High Point. Uh, and uh, Asheville, uh, Asheville, we've got Craig Economopoly, uh there. Uh, uh, he's moved there recently. He's my sensei uh, from uh, the judo that I've been taking for the last few years. And uh, also up there, uh, good friends and loved ones, Carson Dellinger and her man, uh, Sandusky Paris, and their baby, Loy Sandusky Paris. Uh, they're getting married. They he uh, proposed to her this December, and they are going to get married. And uh, that's going to be in September, turns out. And uh, they've asked me to be part of the ceremony. I really love that. Carson's uh, legacy of love from her dad, Loy, who was a character in his own right. Loy was a running buddy of ours, Parks Reese and mine, from back in the days at East Carolina University. Uh, and uh, Lloyd died in a car crash, I guess, three and a half years ago. Coming up on four years now. And, uh, but he left a legacy of love. And we'll remember him forever and uh, emulate some of his behavior and avoid some of his behavior forever. The, uh, but Carson is the heiress of Carolina Cajun. It's not a hot sauce, but it's a blend of love from the Piedmont. And it's good on most everything. But it's so good on chicken that there's a guarantee. What's that guarantee, Larry? To get a better piece of chicken, you got to be a rooster. That's right. Ride that rooster. Come on down through uh, Georgia, Florida. We're listening to in North Florida, Central Florida, Polk County, all the way down to our local listening area from Arcadia to Boca Grande, from Venice to Estero, Babcock Ranch Community, Fort Myers, North Fort Myers, Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, all the points in between. Uh, thanks for being here. Jeffrey, thank you for being here. Jeffrey's been visiting uh, since before Christmas, and he's heading back to Texas to take up uh, another uh, term at the University of Texas in Austin. And, he's, uh, and, and after that term, then he's taken a crew to Hong Kong, at, uh, 30 of the business uh, uh, students, undergraduates, and then it has a grant from uh, the, the government of Taiwan to study in Taiwan for the balance of the year thereafter. And so, Jeffrey, this isn't the first time that you've been in Taiwan. Tell me about your connections with Taiwan. Well, I went to Taiwan the first time in, I think, 20, 2013. 
and I was there for a year uh, after I finished my master's at the University of Hong Kong to study Chinese. Um, I wanted to go there instead of uh, back to mainland China because it's a it's a beautiful tropical para- paradise. The weather's so good. So before before you went to Taiwan and before you did finish your master's, you went to Beijing to a university there for a year. Yeah, that's right. That that was my first uh, sojourn in China. Was in was in Beijing. What was that university? Uh, the People's University of China. How does one say that? The Renmin University. Yeah. How does one say it in Chinese? Yeah, Renmin Dashue. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, uh, so was it just the weather and the beautiful setting, or why did you go to Taiwan? I mean, Taiwan, to anyone who goes, uh, you'll notice immediately it's it's a completely different place. Uh, the air is clean. The food is fresh. Uh, it's a vibrant, democratic free society, freedom of the press, uh, uncensored internet. Uh, for, for someone like me who grew up here, it's, uh, it, it was much more comfortable uh, place to be. Mm-hmm. Whereas China is, uh, the, the big irony of China's post-reform, so after Deng Xiaoping in the, in the late 70s opened up China to foreign markets, uh, when they started getting rid of a lot of the state-controlled enterprises and, and privatized them, uh, people thought, uh, so Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, uh, all, all in the West, they thought that China would become more liberal in both senses, uh, not just economically, but also in terms of civil liberties and that. That exposing their people to the uh, the rest of the yeah, world would open it up. That, that the free market would bring about this kind of democratic change. And, and that logic wasn't necessarily uh, wrong in, in every case, but for China, it certainly was. And so the most disturbing part about China's trajectory is that as they have risen to the status of uh, economic power, it, very soon second to none, uh, they will they will exceed us in the next uh, couple of years in terms of GDP. Um, but they've also become much more authoritarian. And so we'll get to that some more in our discussion about about this paradigm uh, shift in capitalism that where we we conceive of capitalism as this individualistic ideal and uh and it and turns out that the chinese are applying it through with authoritarianism as opposed to democracy and that it might even be a more efficient system yeah in that and that's way. their great uh quote-unquote innovation is that perhaps using the free market you know you you don't need democracy you can, it can work it can function under this uh state you know this surveillance state so we'll get we'll get to some of that some more but back to to Taiwan. Taiwan's on is an island. What a hundred? What we looked it up. One hundred and ten miles, miles yeah. from the coast. Uh, the coast of China there is Formosa. No, that's the island itself is Formosa. So Taiwan is it's off the the closest province on the mainland is Fujian province. Fujian. Most of the people in Taiwan they uh, come from their ancestral homeland is Fujian province, and they came across the strait uh, hundreds of years ago. The island, uh, its geography, it's very mountainous in the interior. It's, on the, especially on the eastern side, it's it's mountainous and it's mostly populated on the the west coast, the coast facing facing China. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lush tropical uh, jungle, mountainous. I mean, lots of great tropical fruits. So uh, were, were there were the people who the indigenous people there were they Chinese or were they. Yeah, so the history of it is, I mean, Taiwan, it, it's interesting that Texas, uh, especially UT Austin, has such a good relationship with Taiwan because 
there's a lot of similarities between the two. Uh, Taiwan has a very complex history. It's fallen in and out of multiple colonial powers, uh, and there are strong independence movements and a strong sense of uh, independence nationalism, I think, both in Texas and Taiwan. Uh, so Taiwan was, for thousands of years, populated by Austronesian people who uh, have more connection to, to uh, South Asia, to Polynesia, than they do to, uh, to, to Sinitic peoples from, from China. They're not Chinese. They don't speak a Chinese language. They don't have anything resembling Chinese culture. They have more in common with the Maori in New Zealand or Aboriginals in Australia than they do with, with anything going on in China. Are there many of mm. them still? There were, I mean, they were the dominant population. They were the only people who lived on the island for a long time. And uh, the only others were pirates or uh, people fleeing uh, uh, politics on the mainland in between dynastic cycles. There were rebellions that were staged from Taiwan. But um, really, it was until the – it was only when the Japanese took Taiwan in uh, 1895 – uh, they took it from the Qing dynasty. They annexed it, and then they exterminated most of the native population. 1895. So had it been under any colonial uh, uh, structure before that? It was It was a part, a prefecture of the Manchurian-led Qing dynasty, uh, but it was discouraged. Immigration there was discouraged because there were rebellions constantly. It was, it was on the frontier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the problem with the you know the quote unquote savages that lived there. They were they were brutal. There were diseases. It, it wasn't a hospitable environment. And uh, and the Japanese they saw it for its strategic value. And at that time, Japan wanted to take its own colonies. They well, had a war with well, China. When you and, look at Japan and look at the chain of islands that that is Japan, it seems to be part of that same chain. Well, they took a lot of that, you know, uh, during their period of expansionism. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are islands now that are part of Okinawa Prefecture in Japan, which are less than 50 miles off the coast of Taiwan. Um, and so Taiwan was a Japanese colony. So you have the people who live there, this mix of Aboriginal natives and Chinese uh, immigrants who had kind of come over, many of them illegally, uh, as migrants who had come over from the from the Fujian coast. Uh, and they suddenly became subjects of, of Imperial Japan, and they, they were taught Shinto, they had to learn Japanese. Uh, the Japanese built roads and infrastructure, hospitals, universities. Um, and so Taiwan's modern identity was a Japanese one. And that, of course, ended after the Second World War, when Taiwan was uh, liberated by the Allies. There's You, you and I, uh, you introduced me to uh, some movies about, uh, and I conflated them, uh, uh, but one was the letters, and that had to do about uh, the Japanese as they were uh, leaving, having been dispossessed of the island. And uh, as Cape Cape Number Seven, yeah, that's a that's a good movie for anyone who wants to understand something about the diversity of of Taiwan, because they made an attempt to incorporate everybody. That's that's a part of that society, and that's a newer film. It's a fun pop uh, movie about a, a rock band. And what's the name of it? Cape. Cape number seven. Cape number seven. Yeah. Write that down. It's a love story. Do you think that that's available on? on I don't know. What? Maybe not. Yeah. It's not important. But. Yeah. So, and then mm-hmm. another one that we watched had to do with uh, with uh, with a the uh, the changeover from the 
China, uh, from Japan to China, uh, control uh, at the end of World that's War II. That's City of Sadness by Ho Xiaoxian. And that, that's a very famous film. Uh, and what that deals with is the, the 228 incident, uh, which began the so-called White Terror period. So what happened was uh, World War II ends, and there's there's there are two documents that diplomats and people who talk about this reference all the time. So you have the Potsdam and the Cairo Declaration which were uh, where the U.S. stated its intention to have Japan return all of its territories they had taken by force. So that includes Manchuria, Korea, uh, all of their colonies in Asia. I mean, they had taken Hong Kong. They had taken uh, parts of Indian, Papua New Guinea um, and Taiwan. Formosa was mentioned by name that it should go back to China. However, uh, China, immediately after the war ends, it resumes its civil war between the nationalists and the communists, between the, the Republic of China and the what would become the People's Republic of China, led by Mao Zedong. The U.S. knew this, so in the actual treaty, the terms of surrender, that which is the only— With Japan. With Japan. It's called the San Francisco Treaty. Uh, they say that Japan has to renounce sovereignty over Taiwan, but they don't very deliberately don't mention uh, who it belongs to uh, because they were waiting to see the result of the Civil War and had no intention of letting it fall back into the hands of the communists. Um, and then the previous, the Cairo Declaration is just it's a wartime press release. It's a statement of intention. So it's not, it has no legal weight, or at least advocates of Taiwan independence, they, they maintain this. Um, but uh, so, so that's, the, so Taiwan, uh, anyway, to make a long story short, the, the Republic of China loses the Civil War, they lose to the communists, and Chiang Kai-shek uh, takes the nationalists, the remnants of that government, and they flee to Taiwan because the, the communists don't have a navy. They go there, and they impose martial law uh, on the, the the people who live there, and they inaugurate this reign of terror, basically. Uh, and they use Taiwan as a or attempt to use Taiwan as a staging ground to, you know, hopefully in the next decade retake the mainland. So, uh, so a, a good uh, point here uh, to to add is that Punagorda has a uh, has a pretty interesting connection to that period. And that is that the uh, at the end of World War II and after Chiang Kai-shek comes to Formosa, the uh, there's uh, and this notion of going to retake the mainland as a launching point. Well, the United States was participating in that and doing and helping to do uh, uh, support on the mainland to uh, to groups that were still opposing Mao's uh, uh, people's. Uh, uh, liberation uh, army. That's that's right. That um, and that's a really interesting connection. I didn't know about uh, that in Punagorda. We have uh, are they still here? People who the, would have the people who in did that? that are are now dead, except for Sam Birchers. But there was uh, there uh, uh, the uh, there's a book that I've promoted on this uh, radio show, Raiders of the uh, the China Coast, uh, and from. The, uh, from Taiwan and from the islands that are associated uh, there closely with Formosa, uh, there was a CIA operation. The company was working and making and uh, and making raids and supporting raiders over into uh, Fujian uh, coast, and they were going and actually capturing people and taking them out and doing leaflets drops, and they were doing uh, mass uh, uh, support. They were flying from uh, Taiwan uh, and making drops of arms and supplies uh, and propaganda into deep into mainland China 
from there. And that was that was Al Johns, uh, Bud Cole, uh, Sam Birchers, uh, those guys that ended up forming Punagord Isles and uh, and making what's now the political uh, heartland of of Punta Gorda, uh, uh and controls uh, outvotes can most uh, most everyone on the city council. I mean, although they're from different districts, you have to uh, get right with Punta Gorda Isles in order to have a seat on the uh, on the city council. The uh, all of that waterfront, all waterfront community came from their being there and making ra- raids across that coast to the uh, Fujian coast, that 100-mile and 10-mile trip, and making it. And they actually upped the, uh, the time even after there was uh, the, com- the, the failings of the uh, resistance groups that were in there that they were trying to support. And even as that faltered and failed, they continued to make the raids from there in order to keep the Chinese from putting as much attention in Korea, and so right. and so they ke- they kept pressure on the coast in order to divert the Chinese attention and keep them from being able to just concentrate on Korea, and uh, and those are the guys that ended up forming Punagord Isles was the CIA operatives that were part of that. Uh, uh, I mean that's fascinating how things connect and grow, living here in high school I never realized that yeah uh, there, there it's is one of the reasons mm-hmm. we have so many CIA uh, retirees here right, uh, right. there's a we've got more spooks running around Charlotte County than uh, than than most any place else there's an important point to be made here though uh, that often gets missed and so while the United States uh, certainly supported the efforts of the ROC to retake the mainland and viewed the the triumph of communism in China as a tragedy uh, um, Taiwan was never uh, uh, considered part of the Republic of China. That that issue had not been resolved. And so if you look at comments from the State Department, uh, even as late as 1959, they maintain that Formosa may be said to be a territory or an area occupied and administered by the government of the Republic of China, but is not officially recognized as a part of the Republic of China. Um, and so the intent was uh, for the fate of Taiwan to be decided in the spirit of the UN's charter which maintained that the occupied territories and peoples uh, during the Second World War had a right to self-determination. Uh, and, and, so that, and that more or less, I mean, uh, the, that threat has been maintained to the present day. But that threat, mm-hmm. but at a parallel uh, uh, run, at least up until Nixon, was that, was that because Chiang Kai-shek's uh, uh, government made claim to still being the legitimate uh, uh, government for China that the uh, UN Security Council and the UN membership was populated by the people from the uh, from 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 Taiwan, as far as well, uh, it, it was populated by the Republic of China, which had very little connection to the ninety percent of people who lived in Taiwan at that time and and reigned over them with this rule with, of, of of white of terror, terror, right? And but the United States opposed. Uh, Chiang Kai-shek in the Republic of China uh, f- uh, losing its seat at the UN, uh, uh, and Nixon wasn't. Nixon resumed uh, in diplomatic relations with China, but did not confer upon them diplomatic diplomatic recognition. That happened with Carter after they had lost their seat, uh, which the U.S. opposed. And that was, I mean, because Soviet Union they had their own pool, um, and and I mean it makes sense, right? I mean I think even uh, France and the United Kingdom they recognized China diplomatically or the PRC before the U.S. did. Because I mean, they clearly had uh, they had the country they had won, but um, but the 
but it was a it was actually whomever was responsible for it it was without a shot being fired a dispossession of the governing group that had been in the UN and been on the National Security Council and a replacement of them with the government from mainland China uh, so yeah I think the I mean the mo- I actually looked this up yesterday the motion it was uh, it was uh, submitted by Albania and it was a request that uh, uh, the Chinese regime the Chiang Kai-shek regime be expelled from the seat it unlawfully held uh, a, a war a wartime a renegade government that was claiming to represent a, a sovereign nation so uh, but yeah I mean that was catastrophic for Taiwan and and I mean I think they've they have tried to apply uh, something like 15 times in, in uh, subsequent years as as a a separate and they've been rejected. Mm-hmm. So. Well, let's think about China for just a minute and we'll take a little musical break. But this is a song, the first song that I wrote, uh, the music and the words for uh, myself without a collaborator. And it happened at the time of, uh, of uh, uh, Tiananmen. And so that was what, in 89? 1989. So what do people know about uh, Taiwan and Japan and, uh, and Tiananmen in China? Yeah, so the way this all ties together is that uh, you have the Tiananmen protests in China in 1989, uh, which ended in tragedy where the government uh, killed thousands of university students uh, and their supporters. Um, who were pushing for democratic change uh, in China after a brief period of, of softening up. Uh, uh, and then they went to the hard right. Let every, let every flower blossom, let a hundred. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, Mao said that. That was that was a bit earlier. But uh, but yeah, basically on, on the same principle is that people felt comfortable speaking out and then the, the government crashed pretty hard around them. Uh, and after that, there was a sense that 
Chinese people, especially young people, they had lost sense of their nationalism. And so they, the government started manufacturing or bringing back up to the surface uh, the war crimes that Japan committed against China during World War II. And taking Taiwan was, was part of this um, and kind of stoking the flames of nationalism. And so after this point in time, uh, Taiwan being re-annexed back into China became a huge part of people's national identity in the mainland. Now, now it, that wasn't so just during an earlier period. How, how did that work again? Uh, you've told me you've had conversations with different generations, and the older generations say, yeah, we didn't have anything to talk so about that. So you have the Civil War ends. The losers flee to Taiwan, which is populated by indigenous peoples and Chinese who had immigrated centuries before, and they start using Taiwan to stage their great – uh, comeback. comeback. And the fate of Taiwan had, hadn't been decided yet uh, after its liberation from, from Japanese uh, colonial occupation. Um, and eventually, the losers, the Republic of China, they gave up on their ambition to retake the mainland. And in the meantime, they democratized. And uh, the people, the 90% of the population that were ruled with an iron fist, uh, they occupied positions of government, and Taiwan now is the most progressive uh, and most vibrant democracy in Asia. Um, and so, you know, China and Taiwan, they went on very different trajectories, and the Republic of China now that's in Taiwan is very different from the one uh, led by Chiang Kai-shek during the Civil War. And their interest now isn't to retake the mainland, they just want independence and to be recognized uh, as a sovereign nation with their own values and principles and their own government. Uh, and China is still fixated on this, uh, this goal of bringing them back in, of liberating them, quote unquote, uh, again. Uh, so, and so, so at what caused the reason we're talking about this now is uh, two weeks ago, Xi Jinping, uh, not the president, uh, as he's often uh, quoted as in Western media, but the chairman, because that's in Chinese, it's Xi Jushi. Uh, he said he made an address to the compatriots in Taiwan where he said that reunification was a historical inevitability and that China would use its full uh, diplomatic and military weight to make this happen. Uh, he didn't suggest a timeline, but but they they seem fixated on this and right now seem to be testing the waters uh, to see what the Western response will be. And the uh, And as you say, testing the waters, I mean, there's been – Clashes of uh, rattle, of saber rattling between uh, U.S. admirals and Chinese admirals, and the threats of ramming the uh, U.S. vessels that are plying the waters in the Strait of uh, uh, not just U.S. but Vietnamese, but Philippine, any, yeah. Filipino. Uh, yeah, I mean their aggression is uh, it has a character of boldness now that we we haven't seen, and. Uh, I, this is, to me uh, personally is one of the scariest flashpoints in the world today, and because because of the the there seems to be a lack of rational thought that goes into it. It's such an important issue. I mean, when I was with Parks Reese, uh, we were in the countryside as part of his uh, art tour. In, he, in he was doing, China, in China, and he was doing paintings, and we were talking to locals. And there was a little girl about seven years old who came up to me, and we were chatting, and. And I asked her, so what do you want to be when you grow up? What? And she said, I don't know. And I said, well, what are your dreams uh, for the future? And she says, this is a little seven-year-old girl says in Chinese, says, well, I just hope one day Taiwan can be liberated back to our mother country. We're at seven years old. 
And like that's what people are learning there, and that becomes the foundation of their entire uh, identity. And so now the government, and it's like this kind of uh, vicious cycle where the government now has a mandate to where if Taiwan actually does take steps to declare independence, uh, people in China will be outraged because this has been a tool used to manufacture this victimhood complex uh, for the past few decades. And and so how does this victimhood complex, how do the Chinese and Japanese relations fit into that? I mean, so before Tiananmen, it was uh, a censored taboo topic to talk about wartime aggression against China in, in China. And a lot of people don't know this uh, because it, that was considered something that might threaten Chinese-Japanese relations. And then only after Tiananmen did it become part of national education in China to really emphasize the war atrocity, so the rape of Nanking and things like that. So these people mm-hmm. who are the uh, uh, pushing for democracy, the, the reaction of the party was that they must have lost their identity and they're having a problem with understanding their, their Chinese the party, identity. And so we need a, a, an other to, to rally around by rallying against. The party at that time was seeing the complete collapse of the Soviet Union. Um, and they were worried about the same thing happening to them. They knew they needed to modernize economically uh, and to open up. And they were worried about the question of how do we do this without losing our control, our handle on society. And uh, and so, the, I mean, that was their solution was to reinvent this. Uh, I mean, it's not fake. It happened. I mean, all those war atrocities, it's terrible what the Japanese did. But it was something that largely faded from certainly from national consciousness. Uh, but it's been reinserted in a, a very dramatic way. I mean, I, I can recall when you were traveling uh, there uh, and the, the taxi drivers in Beijing were cursing the, the Japanese. Yeah, yeah, I had and students. Give... They, they refused to give rides to, to people. And that, that was in 20, I think, 12, uh, when they were having that Senkaku Island dispute. But but that's how things work, right, is if, if you want to get your population to uh, turn their eyes elsewhere and ignore the ways that they're being coerced and controlled and oppressed from above – uh, you invent this this external threat, the the you know what Edward Said calls the self consolidating other. The uh, self consolidating other. Yeah, yeah. We talked about that a little bit on identity, uh, actually in the micro and macro uh, discussion that we had a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and Taiwan becomes a part of this uh, uh, because they were a Japanese colony and. Their status, uh, apart from China, is a lingering reminder of that past humiliation. Um, the problem is, though, is that those people, uh, they don't want to be liberated. Um, and I think they have a right to self-determination. Uh, and I think that's the spirit and that's that's uh, the attitude that, uh, at least uh, my reading of U.S. foreign policy, uh, that the United States has maintained up till now. And so the question is... If push comes to shove and there's some type of military intervention uh, on the part of the Chinese, what are we going to do about it? So, so this discussion uh, is uh, dovetails with discussion that we had last week about territory and borders and, uh, and walls and, uh, and, and identifying your space and controlling it is one of the aspects of having this national identity, this concept, and yet there's, and there's always, there's the people who want to consolidate that, and then there's those who don't want to be restricted by it, don't want to be restrained by the walls and the borders and have other issues, and so 
This is a little bit of a stretch, but it just gives us a little bit of a musical break. And this is a fun song, and it goes to people crossing borders and to do things, whatever they want, no matter what the rules are. This is the Free Mexican Air Force. Casinos are planting their fields Where the ghost of Zapata rides a horse That can still outrun the wheel and High in the sky above a clear outside We're the free Mexican Air Force And we're flying tonight In the little town of Calston in a cowboy as cool as he Remembering that God gave us herbs and the fruits of the field But a criminal law that makes outlaws of those seeking life Make the three Mexican Air Force Mescalito riding his white horse the free Mexican Air Force is flying tonight. Flying so high. Flying so high, yeah, 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 ye
Yeah. So, wall is still going to fly over it. You just won't be able to walk through it. Uh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening and putting up with me. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks for uh, being here. Uh, we've got, uh, I couldn't do this show without sponsors. Folks like uh, Gordon McMartin, that's Gulfland Real Estate. It's uh, United Country Real Estate. Expose your property to more buyers. United Country is here. They're leading full integrated network of conventional and auction real estate professionals. Uh, they've been around since 1925. As a matter of fact, if you're a licensed real estate agent, call Gordon Mac Martin to discuss joining his team of qualified experts in Charlotte, DeSoto, and Sarasota counties. He's got uh, offices at Port Charlotte at Maple Leaf Plaza, 2200 Kings Highway, and historic downtown Arcadia, 207 East Magnolia Street. You can call Gordon Mac Martin in Arcadia at 863-494-2100 and in Port Charlotte at 941-456-7977. Gordon Mac Martin from the coast to the country. We got Zane coming in to take over the board and Larry T's heading out. Listen to some sports. Uh, yeah, listen to some sports with Larry T. Uh, when you get done here, the, uh, we've also got uh, Boca Grande Marina, Boca Grande Marina, and beautiful Boca Grande on Gasparilla Island. It's on the barrier island between the Gulf of Mexico and the Charlotte Harbor Estuarine System. Uh, to get there by boat, you go in that south entrance to the bayou and then turn south into the Ott Basin. Beautiful refurbished marina with a dockmaster's office that commands the basin in order to help you tie up safely. Fuel docks open from 8 in the morning to 5 in the evening, seven days a week. Anytime the uh, fuel docks open, so is the uh, the ship store. Uh, you have sundries, bait, tackle, ice drinks, all of those kinds of things. Shirts, T-shirts, hats, sunglasses. Uh, go in and see them. The, if you're there from 11.30 on, it's Miller's Dockside. They've got cold beer, full bar, great menu, friendly service, beautiful setting overlooking the marina and overlooking a Gasparilla Sound. In the evenings, it's Eagle Grill, and Chef Antonio has uh, specials every night, and everything's special on his menu. Uh, while you're there on the island, you can rent a golf cart there at the ship store and tool around the rest of the island. However you get there, whether it's by seaplane like Captain Mark Futch used to come in, or by boat, or by bicycle, car, golf cart, walk, however you get there, go and enjoy yourself. You'll be glad you did, and so will they. Uh, we have uh, the folks at uh, Gene Gorman Auto Sales. You know Gene Gorman Auto Sales. You've seen the uh, the signs, the billboards around, the signs on the wall. I'd fix them for free, but my wife won't let me. I'd give them away, but my wife won't let me. That's because it's a family-owned and operated business. They've got 22 straight years as Charlotte County's number one volume independent used car dealer. Three locations to serve everyone. Gene Gorman Family Motors in Charlotte Harbor. Gene Gorman Premier Auto Sales downtown across from Punta Gorda Police Department. And Gene's Dirt Cheap Cars south of Aquiesta. That's a Kia stop for some of you who speak a little Spanish and aren't from him. Here we say Punta Gorda and we say Aquiesta, and that's just the way it is. The, uh, there's, Gene has two sons that graduated from Charlotte High School. Uh, 
Chad's a doctor up in the Tampa Bay area, and Owen is the general manager and vice president of the corporation. Gene has a memoir out uh, published by Archway Publishing, a division of Simon and Schuster. It's a fun to read story of his life from the jungles of Vietnam to psychiatric hospitals to the boardrooms of corporate America. A great book for anyone that's battled addiction or knows someone that has or is. They're running a promotion to honor 22 years as Charlotte County's number one used car dealer by giving away free oil changes for a year and a copy of Gene's memoir. You had to be there to anyone that buys a car or sells a car to Gene Gorman Auto Sales. The uh, It's a hot dog day. They're every nice day. They're at Ponce Leon Park. They've opened at uh, Gilchrist Park. We had to back it off of technical difficulties, but that'll be coming back open. So we'll have uh, It's a Hot Dog Day. We'll be at Ponce de Leon Park and Gilchrist Park uh, all the rest of the season. Uh, check the uh, Facebook page to, to see where they are. Make sure that they're going to be at the park that day. You know, if it's too cold or if it's too windy, hey, that nobody wants to be out there. And so they're not there on those days. They... Uh, Sabret all beef hot dogs, Martin potato roll, every kind of condiment that you can think of. Uh, go see them. They, uh, it's a good meal at a reasonable price in a beautiful setting. Uh, Captain Bill's Barbershop is located on Rio Villa and US 41. Go get a haircut. And Becky's Garden Shop. Becky's Garden Shop is on, uh, on Elliott. Uh, that's uh, down there next to Powell's Nursery. Uh, she's open Tuesdays through Saturdays uh, from uh, in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. Uh, uh, go and check out. She's got yard art and beautiful plants. She's got curio uh, and a, a wealth of information and knowledge about, uh, about your landscape that she can help you understand and help you give some pop to. The uh, Becky's Garden Shop, uh, go see her. She's, uh, yeah, 8 to 4, I guess, Tuesdays through Saturday. But call ahead if you, uh, she'll meet you if you if she needs to, if you want to be there at some other time. Uh, Michael P. Heyman's Attorney at Law, PA, uh, would do a general practice with an emphasis on environmental and land use law. Give Lori a call. Uh, 941-575-0007. If we can't help you, we'll try to get you to someone who can. Yes, I'm still practicing law. People ask me that all the time. Like, well, so you're just a radio guy. You don't practice law anymore. Yes, we practice law. Come see us. They, uh, I've got a few more minutes with Jeffrey, and part of what uh, the crash that is happening right now that's leading to these conflicts are having to do with law of the sea kinds of issues. And uh, political geography and of the sea, uh, there's a chapter in Our Fragmented World, An Introduction to Political Geography by Gordon East and R.V. Prescott. And there's, we're witnessing a gradual closure of the seas. Uh, there can be no doubt that the uh, that the International Law Commission as a body recognized that the legal continental shelf might extend beyond the geologic continental shelf. Uh, states of the world are crowded on its land area, which makes up only 29% of the surface, but this is in no sense implies that they are uninterested in the remaining 71%, which is made up the oceans, 
and their continental seas and their contained seas. There is, in fact, only one ocean, since the separately named parts are interconnected and much the greater part of this water subject to tidal influence and to movements at different levels resulting from differential temperatures, winds, and varying flows from rivers and glacier melt. So the, the international law uh, helps to, uh, to, to identify where and how far. It used to be how much you could control. And so three miles, three nautical miles was it. And then it, it morphed into 12 nautical miles. And then there's claims of economic exclusion zones out to 200 miles. And some of that is because with new technology, we can control greater expanses of water area that you otherwise weren't able to control as the law developed over time. And so this strait between uh, Fujian uh, province and Formosa is, uh, is only 110 miles across, and the Chinese have asserted, and uh, we looked at some maps about where they claim uh, their uh, uh, economic uh, and exclusive zones, uh, and it goes all over the South China Sea. We might ought to call it the North Philippine Sea, for, uh, <laughs> but, the, uh, but, but that's where the clash is happening. We know that there's these spoil islands that the Chinese have built uh, military uh, structures on, uh, landing strips and such. There's uh, a continuing focus on, uh, on declaring that, that it's their exclusive zone. And we're hearing the saber uh, rattling in the news today. But, Jeffrey, let's tell me a little bit more about, about Taiwan, about Formosa. We've got four minutes. Tell me about would, what, if China says, oh, we're going to take it over, what kind of fortifications are on Taiwan right now and what, and what kind of political will do you think that the protectors of their independence have? Uh, I mean, Taiwan, it's... Uh, western coast is is fortified uh, best by the natural environment. There are very few places where the PLA, the People's Liberation Army, could successfully uh, carry out an amphibious assault. Uh, there are only a few miles where uh, the Taiwanese could create a a, a, a very focused resistance. Um, but if you go there today and you go to the beaches, you see there are structures placed in the ocean. There are machine gun bunkers. Uh, uh, Taiwan, its entire military is uh, designed around uh, defense. And it's the intent is to defend long enough until the U.S. or some other sympathetic power uh, would arrive. Now, the danger in this is the Chinese know this, and there have been some indications from uh, admirals and people making public remarks, which if it's coming from China, that's for a reason. It's because at some official capacity that this this was uh, intended to get out. Uh, there have been comments made that suggest that they may be pursuing uh, what's called a bloody nose strategy, where they think if they sink a U.S. aircraft carrier uh, – then we would turn tail and leave. And so, and that assessment is made looking at the general political chaos that we have in this country right now and thinking that there wouldn't be enough support uh, to sustain another foreign adventure, another foreign war for, I mean, to be frank, most Americans don't even know where Taiwan is or can't distinguish it from Thailand. And I don't know if, if that's true. I don't think it is. Um, but that's the danger where this, these kinds of miscalculations can escalate things really quickly. It's terrifying to me. 
So, and yet you're going to be there. I will, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm going back uh, for a six-month month research grant, and I'll be researching a lot of stuff uh, pertaining to this issue about Taiwanese nationalism and the independence movement there. Uh, and when you say you're researching, is that – I know that you have a broad uh, concept about the, the, the two, the Hong Kong and Taiwan being these sort of uh, – uh, on the outs, uh, provinces, the uh, yeah, cultural abjects. They're yeah. on the periphery of, right. of Chinese civilization, and they uh, are also former colonies. So they have very different sense of place and identity mm-hmm. and, and, and local culture. So what what does give their them identity? Is there another for them? Well, I mean, now it's China, yeah. uh, but there's a kind of torturous relationship there between self and other because they're also Chinese. Wasn't there mm. some time there was a period there was somebody who was head of the uh, government of Taiwan that was actually wanted to reunify or to talk about M- it? Ma Ying-jeou, yeah. Uh, I, I don't, we, have, we don't have no time to talk yeah. about that. But, okay. but yeah, it's interesting stuff happening around the world, terrifying things, And uh, but I'll be, be there and call in. Okay. Well, we'll have our canary in the, uh, in the, uh, in the mine for when things start to go crumbling. In, uh, in Taiwan, uh, we'll have an interest and we'll be paying attention and try to get word out to you as we learn things about China and Taiwan and how the world works. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here. Jeffrey, loved having you on. Thanks for being Bye-bye. So we'll see you on the radio next week, and we're out of here. WCCF Punta Gorda. News Radio 1580. Charlotte County's only news talk radio station. Serving you around. Space-based defense. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. President Trump speaking at the Pentagon a short time ago on orbiting missile defense systems. Our goal is simple. To ensure that we can detect and destroy any missile launched against the United States anywhere, anytime, any place. The new space-based defense system's goal is to counter threats from North Korea and Iran, as well as technology-advanced weapons being developed by Russia and China. President also pushing for his wall at the southern border. We need strong barriers and walls. Funding for the president's border wall is the main roadblock in ending the partial government shutdown. President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, says he never said there was no collusion between members of the Trump presidential campaign and Russia. There is not a single bit of evidence the president of the United States committed the only crime you could commit here, conspired with the Russians to hack the DNC. Giuliani's interview with CNN's Chris Cuomo contradicting President Trump, who's... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten Day low, actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.